doing. Isaiah chapter 61, verse number three, prophesying to the nation of Israel, the prophet says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So we're going to talk for a few minutes tonight just about the oil of joy and the promise that God has for every believer that you don't have to live in defeat and despair, that you can stand sure and confident no matter what your circumstances are, you can have joy. Amen. God, I thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for the, the lifting of the spirit that has happened in the last few minutes. Just an uplifting, encouraging spirit has entered into this room. I pray that that would continue throughout the remainder of this service, that somebody in this place would leave joyful. God, that somebody in this place would leave, perhaps for the first time in their lives, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the oil of joy. Lord, I pray and I, I proclaim that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that you would set a guard over my mouth, or that I would speak just what you would want to say. Lord God, I need you tonight. I need you. I depend upon you. I need you, Jesus. Anybody need him, why don't you just say that to him? I need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. So in case you didn't know, my wife and I welcomed our little Sarah Elizabeth to our family just over two months ago. Woohoo! Yeah. She's over two months old. Time does fly. Affection, affectionately known as Sophia by Pastor Jack Lehman. <laughs> just once. <laughs> but for all the parents out there, there's nothing like the joy of having kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, maybe now they're teenagers and you're second-guessing yourself, but there's nothing like having kids, nothing like watching them grow and learn and, and, uh, and play and, and make friends. And so as a parent or as a grandparent, your heart just expands to make room for, to shower every little one with love and affection. And, 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 and perhaps, you know, it, this is why John wrote in, in, in 3 John verse 4, he said, I have no greater joy that to hear that my children walk in truth. Because children bring such joy into a home and they bring such joy into a family, not just into an earthly family, but the children bring joy in, in a heavenly context as well. In fact, it is the birth of the Messiah that brought joy. Luke chapter 10, the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all People. The birth of that baby in Bethlehem was good tidings of great joy that the entire earth would be blessed, that the entire earth would have an opportunity to tap into great joy. See, children are a heritage of the Lord. They bring that joy. They bring laughter. They, they bring all that into home. In fact, the song that we just sang has become a staple in our home. And our little boy David loves to bounce up and down on the couch and sing all the ad-libs to the song as we play it for him. So he's, he's trying to brace himself because he doesn't want to fall off the couch. So he's leaning back a little bit. And he's just like. <laughs> and I just sing, you give me joy. And then he'd be like, down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. And then as he's bouncing up and down, you know, never been so free. And then he'll just say, hey. 
And he, once in a while, he'll break out, in my soul. Just filling in all the ad-libs. He's, he's, he's excited about that song, very joyful about that song. Every time we turn it on, he says, it's joy. So while, while children bring joy to the human heart, new birth also brings great joy into the halls of heaven and into the kingdom of God. Jesus said that there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. There is joy in heaven and joy in the church over just one person that makes a decision to turn their life over to God. That is cause for great joy. And, and, and if you read in Acts chapter 8, the, prophet, or the, 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 the evangelist Philip goes to the city of Samaria directed by God and he begins to preach the gospel and many people are healed and, and many people repent of their sins and they're baptized in Jesus' name. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 verse 8 that there was great joy in the city of Samaria because joy accompanies salvation. Joy accompanies salvation. Isaiah 12 verse 1 tells us that in that day, he prophesies about a day that the Lord says, I will praise you though you were angry with me, the prophet says. Your anger is now turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. And because I've experienced a great salvation, therefore with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. There is un unspeakable joy that comes when we know that we have been saved by the Lord Jehovah. There is an unbelievable, just overwhelming joy that accompanies new birth in the kingdom of God. It is joy unspeakable. It is, it is with joy that we draw waters of the wells of salvation. But it's obvious that joy is important in the kingdom of God. It's, it's obvious that joy is an important component of every Christian life. And it is something that comes when we get into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But what, we could talk about joy all night until we're blue in the face. But we need to understand what joy really is. See, in the Old Testament, the word joy is often translated in some form of the Hebrew word gil, which means to leap or to spin around with pleasure. And in the New Testament, this word joy predominantly comes from the Greek word hara, which means cheerfulness. And, and I like this one, it, calm delight. It is a state of being. It is, it is something that it's not necessarily attached to emotion, although it is closely, according to Lexham Bible Dictionary, it describes it this way, closely related to gladness and happiness. Joy is more of a state of being than an emotion, and it is a result of choice. It is a result of choice. A result of choice. You can choose to be joyful, or you can choose to not be joyful. You can choose what God has promised for us, for every believer. You can choose to lay that piece aside and, 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 and let life get at you. But we got to move a little bit further beyond, beyond these simple definitions to, you know what, let's try and use scripture now to dive in a little bit deeper to learn about this product of the Christian life. First John, if you want to have, well, we don't have time to do this tonight because I did it on my own, in my own daily reading and, and, uh, and really, it really precipitated this message tonight. But if you read through the book of First John, the whole book is written, verse 4 of First John chapter 1, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 
And so if you want to get a, a breakdown, scripture by scripture, verse by verse of the whole book of 1 John, that will give you a great instruction and lessons to apply into your life so that your joy can be full. So we don't have time to go through the whole book of 1 John, okay? Unless you guys want to be here till 6 a.m. Let's go. I got one. <laughs> uh, but let's just, let's just hone in because God really wants to focus in on just one simple aspect of joy. Galatians lists joy as an attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. After he lists all of the attributes of, 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 the, of the lusts of the flesh, and, and he talks about a war of how the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and the flesh is just simply our human nature. It's our human desires. It's our sinful lusts that draw us away to do things that we know we ought not to do, but they might feel good for a minute, or they might, they might get us ahead at the job, or, or, or they might give us, give us a, a fleeting sense of fulfillment. That's what the lust of the flesh will pull us to do. And he lists them in verse number 19 of Galatians chapter 5. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he goes on to talk about how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So we understand that joy is a part of this product that is produced in us and that is worked in us as, as the Spirit of God uh, works in our lives as believers. So we can understand one very important thing is that joy does not come from us. Joy does not come from us. Nor does it come from circumstances surrounding us. See, if we depend on what comes from us, that's the, that's the work of the flesh. And if we depend on circumstances and, and things that are going on in our life, well, we're going to end up riding an emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down. But joy is something that comes from God and God alone. It comes from Christ in every believer. Joy only comes from the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of every believer. You can't find joy anywhere else or in any other way. You can't take a, a detour. You can't take a shortcut. You can't just come to church and get joy. You can't just come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night. You can't just come in and, and, and just by osmosis receive joy. You're going to still ride that emotional roller coaster up and down. You can't even have joyful friends and, and have joy in your life. You can't have spiritual friends and have joy in your life because it comes not from anybody else out here. Joy comes from Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the only place that joy comes from. The, the world will try and sell us a, a, a false term and, and a false thing called happiness. Then the pursuit of happiness has become such, a, such a, a moniker in North American society. But it is a lie because joy is the only thing that will last. 
Joy is the only thing that will last, and it only comes from God. And so when we read our theme verse tonight, and, and we understand that God came to, to bring the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and, and, and we read that, and we've heard it a thousand times in, in an apostolic church, and we've rejoiced, and, and there's been so many times that, that we rejoice in the presence of God, and we put on the garment of praise, and maybe we've been coming in a little, little heavy, but we put on that garment, and we just lift up our hands and begin to worship God and God does a great work and we feel a lifting we feel a little bit of power at work we feel the presence of God at work because he said that where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst he said that where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and that where there is praise that God is going to come and live there but can I submit to you tonight that praise is something it is a garment it is something that we put on and I, in my 32 years on this planet, 32 years in the apostolic church, I've become pretty good at putting it on. I've become pretty good at it. I've become pretty good at putting it on. I, I understand what it means when pastor says to clap your hands and shout unto God. I know exactly what time to do that in a service. I understand exactly what time to, 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 to shout. I understand exactly what time when the music swells at the right crescendo and, and I can just join in with the chorus and I can, if I'm not careful in myself, I can go service to service and forgive me for maybe t taking this a little bit out of context, but I can go a little, I can go service to service and just kind of put on my praise. Just put on. And Christians, we're not called to, to just put on praise, although we are called to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because the problem is when we, all we do is put on praise, we can put on praise on Sunday and live completely defeated and depressed from Monday to Saturday. We can put on praise, we can shout, we can dance, we can, we can run the aisles, and then on Monday morning hits and that same old challenge is there and we, we, we feel defeated all over again. Because there is something deeper that God wants to do in us than just what we put on the outside. He wants to put something on the inside. A well of living water springing up into everlasting life. It is the oil of joy for mourning. Mourning is that state of being. It's a lamenting the loss of something in your life, whatever it is, innocence maybe. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's the passing of a loved one and, or maybe it's the, the, the loss of a dream that you once had. And, and those losses that we experience in our lives can, can lead us to live in a state of perpetual mourning. We just feel so broken about how life has turned out for us. We, we feel like we're, we're a failure because of mistakes we've made in our past. We, we feel like there's nothing that God can do to help us. And, and we might come to church and we might put on praise. But there is a mourning that is just, just, just overwhelming us, a depression. There's, there's a mourning that just can't, we can't seem to shake out of it. But can I promise somebody tonight that there is joy for your mourning? For whatever reason you're mourning, I don't know what it is, but if you're in a place of mourning tonight, there is joy, and that joy is only accessible by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way you're going to get it. 
That yes, the only way you're going to access it is to just get in the presence of God, wherever it is, whether it's here on a Sunday or whether it's on your own time, on your own schedule, in, in your prayer closet at home, just getting alone in the presence of God because the psalmist wrote in chapter 16, verse 11, that it's in the presence of God that there is fullness of joy. There is a fullness of joy that comes in when we, we just let the Spirit of God begin to work and move in our lives, when we get the well of living water we just allow it to spring up into everlasting life there is a joy that comes along with it and all of a sudden mourning doesn't have a place anymore and no longer is my head hanging down but I have a quiet confidence a calm delight that God loves me and that I am going to make it anybody need joy tonight Anybody need joy tonight? I wonder if joy is only accessible by the Holy Ghost. I wonder if, if you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you would just lift your hands for a minute and just let the Spirit of God come out of you because that's the only way we're going to get joy. That's the only source. There's no other place. There's nothing else you can do. There's no, there's, there, there's no drug you can take. There's no bottle so deep. There's no other place you're going to get joy but in the manifest presence of God. That's it. Just let the Holy Ghost flow through you, believer. Doesn't matter how you feel right now. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. That means there is a well of living water that's just bubbling, waiting to spring up if you just yield to it. You don't have to feel anything, really. If God's truly living on the inside, it wants to come up. He wants to come out. He wants to speak through you. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 14 tells us that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Chapter 15 verse 13 tells us that the God of hope, Paul wishing the church that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost at work every day in our lives. He's always there waiting, but are we there to let him work? Are we there to let him move in our lives? Because if you want joy, you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidenced by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God takes control of your tongue and gives you the ability to do so. And it no longer becomes you speaking, but it becomes God speaking through you. That's the only source of joy in our lives. Amen. And so if John wrote to us in order that our joy might be full in 1 John, what was the first thing? What does he have to say? And this is just the, the first point that, that, that comes up as I work through it. And this is all we're going to really spend our time on tonight. But this then is the message, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin.
And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We've all made mistakes. We've all failed. We've all, we've all fallen short of, the, of, of what God requires of us. But verse 9 is the promise that somebody in this room needs to cling to tonight. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Everybody say all. From all unrighteousness. You see, the first step to receiving the joy of the Holy Spirit into your life is simply repentance. It's admitting to yourself that, God, I have made a mistake. I, I have fallen short. I've, I've been walking in darkness. And I've tried to find joy and fulfillment my own way. And I've failed. And I've fallen. And, God, I need your help. And at that moment when you make that declaration, when you, when you make that decision to turn your life back to God, we turn your life over to God, then God's promise is that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All of the sin that you just confessed to God in his eyes is gone. And this book is written to the church. These are people who have repented already. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They've received the gift of the Holy Ghost already the first time. But he said, even if you are saved and you fall, all you've got to do is say, God, I'm sorry, and I want to live for you again. And at that moment, in that instant, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nothing is too bad. Nothing is too dirty. Nothing is too horrifying. Nothing is too much that God can't step in and deliver and forgive. Paul stood by as Stephen was stoned and the Bible said he was consenting unto his death. He was, he was a murderer. And he became the great apostle to the Gentiles through whose ministry you and I are here today. So if God can take Paul, a murderer, and turn him into an apostle, it doesn't matter what you've done. In the eyes of God, he is able to step in when you sincerely make a decision to say, God, I'm sorry, and I turn my life back to you. Maybe it's been a few years. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, and you've made mistakes, and you've fallen. But God says, just get back up and just confess and forsake those sins and get back on the right road plant your feet firmly back on the rock of Christ and I will forgive and I will cleanse I will wash you clean Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says you've gone too far. You've done too much. Who do you think you are, you hypocrite? That's the enemy talking. God says, just confess. I want to forgive you. I want to restore you to a right place. I want to restore you in ministry. I want to restore you in, in, in giftings and callings. I want to do it in your life, but you've got to turn it to him. And you've got to believe that God does forgive me. That God does forgive me. Do you believe that tonight? That if I just say, God, I'm so sorry, and I give it back to you, and you, and you, and you give it all to him, that God will take it and wipe it clean. I remember Pastor Joel Urshan, when he was ministering a few years ago at a youth camp I was at. Back when I was a youth, just a few years ago. And he said it like this. He said, in the wilderness, 
The disciples followed, or the, the children of Israel followed, or the, there was a rock that followed the children of Israel. And, and the first time that they needed to get water and sustenance from that rock, God told Moses, you smite that rock. But after that initial smiting of the rock, the hitting of the rock with his staff, the second time, that rock that followed them through the wilderness provided water, and then they needed water from it. God told Moses, just speak to the rock. Just speak to it, and you'll get water from it again. And that just typifies salvation for us. When we, if we have already repented of our sins for, and baptized in Jesus' name, and if we've already received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't need to go back through all that again when you fall and make a mistake. Otherwise, we'd be going literally 24-7 on baptisms around here. Because we all make mistakes every day. But no, you don't have to go back and smite the rock again. You just got to speak to it. You just got to talk to God. Just talk to him and say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, that's all right. I've forgiven you. And you are released from that penalty. You are released from that sin. You are released and you are washed clean. I wonder if we can lift up our hands right now and just somebody receive that. Somebody receive that. You, the enemy has been speaking in your ear and your joy has long gone. But God wants to restore your joy tonight. God wants to restore your joy tonight. God wants to restore your joy. The prophet said, I will restore unto you the years that the locust and the canker worm and the palmer worm have eaten. And I, I, and I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh because the joy that accompanies the Holy Ghost is so great that no enemy, no canker worm, no palmer worm is too great that the spirit of God can't just come and renew and restore. Yes, Jesus. And when we repent of our sins, there is a lifting that comes. There is a, a semblance of joy that comes when we finally give up and when we confess our sins to God and when we, when we believe that God has cleansed us and washed us. And that's why the psalmist wrote that that. We, we, he's in, in Psalm 51 verse 8, he says to make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. David had just fallen. David had just fallen into sin with Bathsheba. And he said, God, I need to hear joy and gladness again. God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. That's the prayer that maybe you need to pray tonight. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit oh God restore unto me the joy that I had at salvation Jesus restore unto me the joy and the quiet the confidence in the, and the delight that I had in your presence and then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. God, if you will just restore me, then I will be the greatest evangelist I can be. I will step out and share your love with everybody. And the promise in his word is that he will. He does. He did it through a few seconds ago as we prayed. Cleansed, washed, made new. No, and I, noticed, I, I mentioned it already that this book, 1 John, was written to the church already. These people were spirit-filled people. And so 
All of that that we've talked about applies to the church. But if you've not been filled with the Spirit of God, the source of joy, for the, as evidenced by speaking in other tongues, then we need to backtrack just a little bit. And Acts chapter 8 tells us how Philip went to Samaria and preached the gospel of Jesus. And he preached the same message Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. And many believed. And, and, and a great joy was in that city as we read already. But Acts chapter 8 verse 16 tells us that, that there were, the Holy Ghost was not yet poured out. And that tells me that there is a joy not just that accompanies repentance. But there is a semblance of joy that accompanies baptism when we choose to be baptized in Jesus' name. When we go down in a watery grave and all of our sins are washed away. So what we need to do, if, if, if we have never been baptized in Jesus' name, first we need to repent like we talked about. And then we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the Bible tells us. The washing away, the cleansing of sin. And I've heard different people tell me as they come out of the baptismal tank, it happened just a few weeks ago as we baptized the precious lady in the name of Jesus. She said, I feel so light. I feel so free. I feel, I feel, I've heard, I've had one lady tell me, I feel like my feet are very, barely touching the ground. I feel like I'm floating. I, I don't know what this feels like because there is a semblance of joy that happens when all of the penalty and all of the record of sin is totally wiped off of you. You've been carrying a load for years. You've been carrying a load of sin and shame and condemnation and guilt for years that you just get so used to it. You just get so used to it. And then when we are baptized in Jesus' name, when all of that is washed away and all of it is lifted off of us, it just feels so amazing. It feels so light. It feels so powerful, so incredible. Anybody can witness with me on that one? It feels so amazing when you're baptized in Jesus' name because all of those sins that you've ever committed are now gone. It's miraculous. It's Powerful. It's amazing that that lifetime of sin, that record of sin nailed to his cross. And we don't have to, we don't have to pay the penalty for that anymore. Amen. What joy. And then the next thing we ought to do is to receive the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because that is the source of true joy. It's a promise in the word of God that you shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise for you. Everybody say, that's for me. That's for me. That's not just for the super spiritual. That's not just for the ministry. That's not just for, for the, for the, for the, you know, many are called, but few are chosen. I guess I wasn't chosen, but bless God, I'm here. I'm called. No, that's for you. That's, it's a gift. Acts 2.39 tells us that, that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if God's called you here, then he wants to fill you here. Amen. Amen. God has a baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power of God on the inside of you. 
And there is a powerful joy that comes when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is that joy of new birth. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when somebody receives the Holy Ghost around this altar, there is a rejoicing that comes among the family of God because we're celebrating with heaven that one more person has been written in the Lamb's book of life, that that one more soul has turned their life over to God and has been filled with his spirit. There is a joy that comes, and, and the way to sustain joy in any church is to have a constant flow of an infilling of the Holy Ghost over and over again because new birth births joy in the church. Hallelujah. If you never received the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight, then tonight's your night. All you got to do is just begin to lift up your hands and just thank God. When we pray in a moment, then and just, just thank God for what he's doing and, and thank him for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is for you. It's for you. Everybody say, that's for me. That's the source. It's, it's wonderful when, 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 when we, we give our lives to God in repentance. It's wonderful when we're baptized in Jesus' name, but nothing can compare to that moment when the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. I remember praying with a young man in this church right over here. The first time he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's a very stoic person. He's somebody, he's somebody that doesn't get too excited, doesn't get, doesn't get all, all like herky-jerky and bumping and running and he, he ain't no Alan Porter, I'll tell you that. But right over here, we were laying hands on him, and he he was very stiff, and 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 you know. But when the Spirit of God got moving, he just started shaking, and he started quaking, and all that dignity and all that all that stoicism went the other way because God began to live on the inside of him. There is no greater joy. There is no greater joy than to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. There is no greater joy. That's why we do what we do. That's why we reach. That's why. We we preach that's why we teach that's the whole point of the church of the living God there is no greater joy no greater joy than children in Christ walking in truth being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost being filled with his spirit but the challenge that we have and that we face in the 21st century is that our world chases happiness and our world tries to trick the church as well into chasing that very same thing. And if we're not careful in our relationship with God, we can have an experience with God and, and chase happiness even after we've been saved. Happiness that is fleeting. Happiness that you will always pursue, you will never get it because the moment you get it, it's a moment of emotion and then it's gone. Because happiness is an emotion. It comes and it goes. It's dependent on others. Happiness is dependent on your life circumstances. Happiness is dependent upon all kinds of things have to go right in order for me to be happy. It's an emotional response that occurs when good things happen. That's what happiness is. And that has become the goal of so many people, not just in the world, but in the church. I just want to be happy. I want happiness. I, I want to be happy. I don't want to feel a certain way. But good things don't always happen. And we need more than a pursuit of happiness. We need the joy of the Lord 
in our church. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. In opposition to mourning, joy is a state of being that we can choose to live in and walk in. We don't have to be governed by fear. We don't have to live bound by anxiety. We don't have to be buried by depression. We can choose joy because it's not dependent on me. It is dependent on God. And good news, God lives on the inside of me. So I always got joy. No matter what's happening out here, it's independent of people. It's independent of circumstance. We could chase happiness or we can chase and choose joy. I choose joy. I choose joy. We have a well that will never run dry. After we receive the Holy Ghost, joy is always accessible. He's always there. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. He's always there. The greatest counselor or psychologist in human history can't give this to you. But it's up to us to go back to an old well. <laughs> Isaiah told us that with joy we will draw waters out of the wells of salvation. We need to go back to that well. That, that baptism of the Holy Ghost, that, that living water that lives on the inside. The, the, the answer to your predicament is not out here. The answer to your predicament is in your soul. The spirit of God that lives in you. Just tap into it. Just give yourself to it. And as you drink of that living water, you'll get your joy back. As you drink of that living water, you'll get your peace back. As you drink of that living water, your adversary will, will run away. As you drink of that living water, your anxiety will leave. As you drink of that living water, your depression has to leave. As you drink of that living water, joy comes in to fill the void in your spirit. And the elephant in the room tonight is I don't feel any different. That's the elephant in the room tonight. I don't feel anything right now. The challenge in our lives is that oftentimes we shackle our relationship with God to how we feel from day to day. Our current emotional state. If we wake up and maybe we had pizza too late the night before and we feel, Ugh. well, I must not be right with God. Oh. And we live an emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down. We become an emotional wreck because we attach so much stock and we, and we shackled our relationship with God to how we feel. But you could still have joy if, because it doesn't come from you. It doesn't matter how you feel. You can choose joy. I know some of you don't believe me right now. I can hear you. You don't believe it. You don't think that's true. You don't think that's right. Well, let me tell you what the Apostle Paul tell, told us. He told us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. James told us to count it all joy when you fall into temptations, when diverse temptations. If you're being tested here and you're being tested there and you don't know how you're going to get out of these predicaments, well, you know what? Count it all joy, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing in him. As we come back to the music tonight, we're called to rejoice. God's got joy for you in the midst of the most adverse circumstance you could imagine. You can be sick and have joy. 
I'll say that again. You can be sick and have joy. You can be having the worst day of your life and have joy. You can have a loved one that's not serving God and still have joy. Absolutely you can. Because the joy is not dependent on them. The joy is not dependent on how you feel. The joy is dependent on the Christ that's in you. The Christ that's in you can give you joy if you will access that well of living water. And this scripture that we read tonight, our elder T.F. Tenney used to say that he would write T.P. beside certain scriptures in his Bible as we stand. Tried and proven, he would say. I love that elder. I think I only met him once, but left a mark on my life. And though I wouldn't wish this upon anyone, I have tried and proven this scripture. It's about spring of, or winter, I guess, of 2016. I talked at the beginning about our daughter. To many of you, that would be our second child. But that is actually our third child. It's the winter of 2016, and we just found out that God had blessed us with the promise of a, our first child. And it was actually on a Sunday night. Brother Tony, you were ministering in that service. The spring of 2016 when God just swept in this place and there was such a joy and rejoicing as we sang and worshiped God about heaven. And we danced and we ran and we, God just did an amazing work. But in that moment, God chose to inform us, my wife and I, that we wouldn't get a chance to to meet our first child on this side of heaven. As we danced and as we shouted, I think it was really the mercy of God that chose that moment to tell us that. Because it kept that promise in our heart as we went through that season. So we went through that week and I was, I was all kinds of stuff, mad, Sad, weeping, hurt. God, you'd allow that. To, you'd allow that to happen. I didn't even get a chance to meet them. Not yet. And it was on a Sunday morning. I was scheduled to sing the next Sunday. And like I said earlier, I've I'm, I'm been in this for a long time. I know how to put on praise. And so that's what I did for the song service. I knew when to lift my hands. I knew what my words were in the song that I was supposed to sing. And I knew my part, sang the tenor as well as I could. And it was in a moment of exhortation as Pastor Raymond, I believe it was, got up. And just, cho just, just gave us a space to rejoice. And in that moment of pain, questions, sorrow, hurt, I'd lost my first child. I felt God nudge me and just say, 
just start to jump. Just praise me. Just, just, just begin to rejoice. And so I did. And in the midst of an emotional state where I was angry, I was sad, the tears were streaming down my face as I did this. I don't, you guys probably don't even remember. It was probably just an average Sunday morning service. But I, this is it's ingrained into my memory as God began to lift the burden of mourning and he gave me his joy. I had to release it to him. I had to release that situation. I had to say, God, I just rejoice in you because you made this day. I don't like what this day has held. I don't like what this season has held for me. I, 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 if I could choose not to go through it, I would not go through it, God. But I'm here. You never change. So I chose to rejoice and I leapt and I spun and I just said, God, I, I give everything to you. I give everything to you. That child is yours. And I rejoice in you. And as I just, just let that out, God just began to restore me. And God just began to heal me. And God just began to, to do a work in my life that would never have happened if I didn't choose joy. If I didn't choose joy. Peter wrote to the church. That in Christ you get greatly rejoice, though now for a season you're going to have to go through a trial of your faith. Verse number eight, he says, whom having seen you love, you love God. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory in the midst of of trial in the midst of the fire in the midst of the greatest test of life you can rejoice with joy unspeakable it doesn't make sense but you can rejoice joy exists independent of circumstance not because of what God can do for us but because of what he has done in us it's not, it's not that we don't rejoice just because the devils are subject to us. We don't just rejoice because that healings, miracles, signs, and wonders happen, but we rejoice. Jesus said, don't rejoice in those things, actually. But he said, rejoice in this because your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. So I wonder tonight, is anybody tired of mourning? Is anybody tired of mourning? Anybody experienced the loss in your life that you don't understand? You don't know why God would let that happen? You, you have no idea. And you're battling all kinds of things, all kinds of anger, all kinds of bitterness, all kinds of, 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 of struggle and weight that's carrying you down in your mind. You can't sleep at night. You can't, it keeps you awake and you're, just, you're, you're, you're crying out, God, how in the world can I break free? Can I tell you that the answer is found in an old well? of salvation just let the spirit of God do a work just let him into that area of your life that you've closed off and you've you've shut down just open that up to God and say okay God I give it to you 
I wonder if you would just be, oh, lift up your hands if you feel the presence of God in this room and just say, God. Huh. Just open up that part of your life that you feel like you're locked up in. That's it. Just let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Just, just let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Maybe, maybe there, there's something in this room. There's something that you've mourned for years. Something that you've mourned and it's, it, it's something that you think about all the time. And, and maybe it happened years ago, but it, it took something from you and you're mourning it. Just let the Spirit of God in because God wants to give you joy in the place of your mourning. God wants to bring joy in your life. God wants to bring joy. That's it. Let the Spirit of God move. Let the Spirit of God work. If you feel God calling you, if you feel the Spirit of God nudging you to do what He called me to do that, that Sunday morning just a few years ago and just to rejoice, I wonder if you would be so bold as to step out from where you're sitting and where you're standing and just come around this altar and just begin to rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord. Just to rejoice in the Lord. To say, God, I don't understand it all, Lord God, but I I rejoice in you. I love you. I rejoice in you. That's it. This doesn't depend. You might feel very sad right now, but you can still rejoice. You might feel hurt right now, but you can still choose to rejoice. You might feel broken right now, but you can still choose to rejoice because joy is not dependent on how you feel. Joy is dependent on Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he has a joy for you. He has a calm delight. He has a, he has a calm delight that he wants to implant into your spirit that will stay with you through every valley, that'll stay with you through every trial, that'll stay with you through every difficulty. the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I, 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 God is here to fill you with joy right now. Just lift up your hands and just thank God for what he's doing. Just thank him for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Just thank him. You can have joy in the midst of failure. You can have joy in the midst of disease. You can have joy.